0: Hey, welcome to this 27th edition of Clarity Chat Podcast. In this special session, we will discuss how to rescue failed programs with the first principles of program management and more importantly, people management. In today's session, we have three case studies at different stages of execution. Our first case study is about a continuously creeping program with unrealistic business expectations. The second case study is on successful deployment, but ROI not being achieved. And the third case study is about classical failures in managing in a complex multi-partner program. We streamlined it with RACI and governance. I have three of my past colleagues, Sheshu Mangalapalli, Guru Raj Bagali and Sachin Kotastane. They will balance my experiences with their grounds of perspectives, being on the business side of the project, management side. This is the 27th episode of Clarity Chat, and I'm excited to discuss with you and my past colleagues about rescuing failed programs. Welcome, Seshu, Guru, and Sachin to this edition of Clarity Chat. Hey, hi, Seshu how are you
1: hi sir good evening
0: good evening Seshu, are you? you're joining from bangalore if i'm correct right
1: no no hyderabad sir
0: hyderabad oh okay so um so sishu uh, tell me a little bit little bit about yourself with two lines about you know what you do and what you do no, i'm uh,
1: right now i'm working as a uh, one uh mnc as a Global OTC team lead, I'm taking care of the SAP
0: OTC for the uh,
1: Mm. projects and the sustenance for the company.
0: Okay. So, Seshu and I worked together, uh, you know, when uh, we were replacing the, I mean, the homegrown web-based warranty uh, system, which was developed sometime around 2000 with, you know, a proper ERP-based warranty program so uh, it had lived its life it was not scalable or sustainable there were two of them running for two different business units and uh, there was a plan to replatform it to the erps you know own uh, uh, components this was uh, you know mired with various changes and expectations that you know it should replicate all the functionalities of you know our homegrown system so so Sesshu, uh, um, I mean, uh, when 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 I came in, you guys were already uh, you know dealing with all the struggles and all of that. So tell us about the situation on the ground, uh, you know, before I had come in.
1: Yes, sir. Actually, uh, that was uh, you know wow warranty on web. So it started from the warranty on web. So uh, that whole legacy system, uh, it, we wanted to bring it to the uh, new system. So then actually started a requirements gathering there is a one model pilot model already uh, was done but uh, there was uh, what happened was so there was a, a requirements keep on coming and uh, you know I can take some technologies uh, uh, the solution uh, uh, industry specific solution what we adopted was actually not completely fit into the from the legacy system. Because, for example, if you take uh, uh, only client processing is there uh, that uh, we can uh, uh, get into the actually solution given by the uh, product vendor. But uh, this coming to the uh, failed part management, dealer debit, vendor debit, and uh, other uh, um, uh, like uh, uh, reports, something uh, uh, mismatch and shortfall. These things, uh, actually there is no specific solution in the, from the product vendor so that is one one thing and the product was already in the poor light in the market right now also now uh, the, uh, that is one point one major point another one is actually because of the scope creep as i told you the requirements were uh, come, keep on adding there was a requirements uh, changing from first requirement to third requirement like that uh, that is one part and uh, there was a because of that the scope creep and uh, there was a timelines missed. So one time it is missed, okay. Second time and yeah, continuously uh, mi- missing the timelines uh, due to that uh, the, because the trust was uh, uh, gone from the business perspective and even from the service provider perspective. So that is one thing. And the third one is that because of the niche skill, this skill actually it is not available in the market, that capability. So SD consultants and, uh, were taken and uh, there was the attrition, people used to come, requirement captured and they used to go before uh, that blueprint is uh, ready. So th- that is one point. So people used to uh, come and uh, so they were demotivated because the quality management module, we, th- these were the uh, shared resources from the actually uh, ERP projects we used to share. So uh, people used to lack uh, their motivation. So that is a, a major uh, things uh, for uh, the actually it uh, everyone was uh, actually gone down one uh, actually I would like to quote uh, in one of the meeting I don't know it is a term one or two, three, but uh, you said the warranty was bleeding. So that, uh, that word actually disturbed and discussed much in our project team. So we were already demotivated and we were horrified, okay, so how to bring up uh, finally it has gone live, but it was a really hard lesson
0: learned, yeah, so so now, now let me bring in my perspective, you know, I think, Shish, thanks for uh, telling it like as it is in and uh, so when I came in, like you know, i I kind of realized that uh, this is like you know, a typical migration challenge, brownfield migration challenge, where you know, you're know you trying to expect the new technology to do everything for you, and somewhere you are getting blindsided by the capabilities which are brought in by the new technology. So a, a big example would be, uh, there used to be a huge amount of master data, uh, you know, synchronization between the WoW system and, and our ERP. And uh, the moment you bring in the, uh, and then you know there will be settlements which will go across. So there is a huge amount of data transfer which was happening, and warranty settlements happen to be like that. The biggest thing that I saw was that you know if you bring it bring it within ERP, suddenly a lot of your data transfers in and out, and therefore the reconciliation and therefore like you know all kinds of issues that happen with data transfer. They some they simply stop. Plus the other thing was that you know it's a global ERP and it brings in a lot of best practices from various other uh, you know uh, global manufacturers and we were sort of again blindsided to it because we were so focused on 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 you know what was already built and which is what we wanted to transition so uh, the first thing i did was uh, i actually um, went to the oem and i said listen you know you have built a lot but we don't understand fully why you have built it so why don't like we do some sessions on what functionality where the functionality is different from what we have built and why it is different and please talk through certain case studies right like for example you know bmw has done it like this or let's say you know mercedes has done like this and uh, so that you know that sort of brings it uh, makes it clear to our you know business team as to you know why something is there in the product and why it is different so we did that part we also did a diagnosis uh, you know with the with our erp provider and uh, well 80 percent of It was that, Hey, you know why, whatever you're doing can be, you know, sort of transposed uh, into the new functionality and 20% of it was, yeah, you know, this is something that we need to customize. Right. Now, the second part was about like, you know, missing the timelines and all that. So I attended one meeting. I remember with the head of warranty and uh, all our team members were there. I don't know if you remember that meeting and I questioned a certain requirement because I had also done my stint in customer service. And I questioned some requirement, and you know, he basically looked at me and he said, Jagdish. I said, Can you explain this to me? He said, Jagdish, no, this is business requirement. Okay. So I actually got up from my seat and I sat next to him, and I said, Can you explain to, <laughs> can you explain to me now? I am also business. Okay. And then you know, some of that domain knowledge or functional knowledge, you know, we had a discussion, but I think that message was clear that you know we can't we can't be taking everything in and we will question we will question with respect to the, the established best practices what the product brings in. the next thing i remember uh, if you remember seshu i did was there was like this excel on the you know whiteboard on the screen and uh, you know these requirements and you know there was like okay hey when can you do it okay and uh, yeah by when can this be completed and some dates were being put okay Yes, And I actually stopped you guys from doing that. I said, no. I said, have you... So who has done the effort analysis? Who has done the technical analysis? What's your current backlog? And I told in front of the business team that, you know, we are not going to give you any commitments we cannot meet. And for us to do that, we are not going to be giving you commitments across the table. You remember that, session? Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. There was a war room also created, sir.
0: Absolutely. Um, So... I told the team that listen you have to first meet your commitments go back analyze everything look at your product backlog if you can't uh, you know uh, if you can't service the requirement as it is i mean you know without really disturbing anything go back and negotiate you know what needs to be deprioritized what needs to be prioritized but make only those commitments that you can uh, that you can uh, you know uh, meet so i think it was a combination you know i think the trust came back because you know now the commitments are being now the the trust came back because the commitments were being uh, met now right and uh, i think i think the team gained some confidence and and i was behind my team that you know i'm going to be fighting your uh, fight uh, if it is the right one so you do your part meet your commitments meet your timelines and i'll do my part where i'll i'll do i'll i'll take your battle when it comes to scope creep or you know any uh, unnecessary functionality being asked. So tell me, Seshu. So how 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 did things look like afterwards?
1: So so everything finally we could uh, the two the passenger car unit uh, we have gone live and uh, later I think uh, the next commercial vehicle and international business also were done. Later I moved to other projects, but uh, finally we, we have gone live. Uh, it was actually there was a lag. Uh, but, uh, dry, after dry run, uh, there was a one-month delay for user go live. But finally, we went live and everything was adapted. So it was means that even the failed part management, every functionality was brought in and it was a success story.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I have one more memory of it, you know, which came to me. Uh, and it came to me because I had a CRM also. So I remember uh, there was in our CRM, we were maintaining the entire vehicle service history. And, uh, you know, our warranty people wanted all of that history inside SAP. So it was like, you know, replicating a huge amount of data. Uh And uh, I I said, why do you want to replicate the data? Why don't you just refer to the CRM? And they said, we don't have access to CRM. Therefore, we want all all the data here. So (laughs) what we did was, I I gave this challenge to my uh, team. I said, listen, can you make a screen in our ERP where, you know, we will basically you know you will send a request with a particular vehicle number it will go to uh, crm through a connector it will generate a pdf of the service history service history was actually a pdf only and it yeah. will bring back that pdf into uh, our erp and it will store it as a document against that and that's like when you were processing warranty at that point in time this was the service history and uh, initially there was like how can I, you know, how can we, uh, you know, not store data in ERP? But I think we experimented with it and uh, and and it worked. So I think that was a, a tactical yeah, solution. Correct, correct.
1: That's right. So there was a two interfaces, a Cbel CRM and Cognos, uh, that uh, we, we used to interact, uh, and uh, the data used to st- uh, store in the SAP because uh, that was a SOX compliance uh, whereas the that is one more challenge actually i wonder. i forgot to tell you that uh, because of the heterogeneous systems the front end and the back end so were both the teams used to work aloof.
0: Yeah, that was yeah, one of the right. challenges yeah yeah i mean you know, there's like a big value in bringing we realized there those value in bringing you know warranty uh, systems which can be like hundreds of crores of settlements involving you know, SOX compliant and you know uh, and and all coming within the same framework of uh, you know uh, of, of compliance uh, with the rest of the ERP. So um, is, yeah, I
1: think this is the actually solution. Our approach we adapted from the UK based substitute, sir. Uh,
0: no, no, no. This was this was our own. This was in our technology roadmap. Uh, the only oh. thing is that you know uh, we were never able to like you know um, meet you know converge on. How our homegrown functionality will work with the standard functionality, and 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 that's the thing that we work out. So, uh, Seshu, you were talking about the war room. Uh, I mean, this is something you know my grayed out cells don't remember. So, why don't you talk about the war room?
1: Yeah, war room. Actually, we used to sit every day. The business leader uh, from the service provider. Actually, the actually I am uh, rep- I was representing the service provider, right? So the actual, the client uh, team also used to say it, but uh, finally we had a couple of forums. rooms, uh, first one dry run and later you, if you remember, the, it, the goal was the padwa date, I don't remember the year, maybe I think 2013, if I remember correct, so it was a padwa so there were uh, actually teething problems but uh, I cannot take the name, so but uh, everyone, even the, from the uh, IT from the client side and the service provider side. Everyone used to sit and there, uh, without uh, de- uh, deviating from the issues, uh, the technical person and everyone used to sit and uh, we used to uh, work yeah. uh, for the uh, this one. Yeah. There is a credit debit reports and everything uh, was uh, delivered in two three weeks, uh, two three days itself. Some big big reports along with the cards.
0: So, Seshu, so uh, I, I remember, you know, maybe, you know, we could have another session about war rooms itself. Because war room was something that I think we were, we used to do a lot, you know, uh, yeah. in our times at TADA Motors. Uh, I remember the, the conference room next to my cabin was the war room. And uh, anytime there is a project go live, I think, I think this is, this can be a good takeaway for all the audience that, you know, see, when the project execution is happening, developments are happening, you know, the whole life cycle is happening i think that's the time you know people are in different different places and they can be uh, you know working asynchronously but i think the real moment of truth is when you go live and when you go live you know i think issues can come on any side anybody may have to address those issues so yes. i remember we conceptualizing this concept of a war room where uh, in one room you know different uh, people will be there it will be manned 24 hours there will be a skype for business bridge which will be opened and everyone across will get that yes. link if you have an issue you know go and join uh, this particular meeting link and uh, and then you know there will be like those hourly uh, you know touch point calls that every hour like you know people will call in and say that okay things are going all right things are going all right Correct. and uh, and then you know we will if there is a major migration, then we will work on shifts. And yeah, I think we used to have some small little things like refreshments served there and all that. So uh, yeah. uh, yes, sir, good.
1: Uh, apart from the war room uh, during your era, there was a uh, constant was there as a MD, and he brought that one team he used to put that alignment of one team approach in your open house meetings. So we were also uh, uh, next time. Yeah, absolutely.
0: He, no, absolutely i think the context here was that you know we were we have we were dependent on one uh, service provider where seshu was uh, you know for most of our application needs and we had the business team and we had a small it team and uh, the whole effort was like you know always in all the programs and that's one theme which will come out in today's program was that you know uh, for finding success that creating that one team glue is absolutely important. And I think in the on the only people who can do it is like, you know, people sitting on the top who force the teams to like, you know, come and work together. I think in your, in your case also, uh, Sesshu, I, I started owning up your team actually, right? Yes. I mean, yes. that I was mean, the uh, era
1: when uh, the transition started from the Tom to Amadas project.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I think uh, uh, good. Uh, uh, thanks, thanks, issue for uh, sharing your experience uh, candidly. And now let me, uh, let me, thank let you, know. Thank me... you, sir. Give
1: me an opportunity to share my views in this session.
0: Welcome, Guru.
2: Yeah, good evening, Jagdish.
0: Hi, good evening, Guru. So, thanks for joining me here at a short notice. Welcome, uh, welcome
2: anytime for Jagdish. Anytime.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you so much. That's so. That's so nice. Uh, So Guru, tell me a quick bit about yourself and the context that, you know, what were you doing, uh, you know, uh, in Tata Motors and, you know, when we, and what is the uh, system that we were deploying here?
2: Yeah, uh, just to give you a broader perspective, I have about 30 years of uh, automotive experience spanning the entire gamut of parts, sales and marketing, production, warehouse operations, logistics and even the service operations for uh, reputed manufacturers, both in India and abroad. So while we were working in Tata Motors, you know, spare parts, service parts is a very complex operation and it is a profit center. And everybody talks about the fill rate and inventory turns. Unlike the production parts where, you know, they come in aggregates to be fitted on the production line for the spare parts operation, the service parts are usually child parts, kit parts, Supersession—a whole lot of complexity is involved. But at the end of the day, we need to achieve a revenue target, profit target, and the biggest hit on the profit comes because of high inventory, and the service levels get hit because of uh, low fill rates. So this is a scenario across uh, the industry. But for the last fifteen to twenty years, a lot of uh, technology—you know—in uh, fact, uh, support has come in terms of uh, there is a separate uh, area called as a service parts planning which is a very, very uh, niche area. And uh, in terms of uh, knowledge in that area is quite limited, particularly in India, whereas in abroad, it is very, very popular. So when we started, it was very, very vague, you know, to convince our own people within the business. Of course, we had the support of the IT team because IT team was always in the forefront of uh, bringing new technologies. But we had a a lot of challenging situations within the uh, team members. What is service parts planning and how does it plan? After convincing, we took your support, if you remember, then we had to literally go and give it in writing to our uh, CFO that yeah that, uh, RIO would be achieved in two years. And uh, after the implementation, we hit a bottleneck, right? And we approached you. And uh, earlier, it uh, the situation was a bit daunting for us, like whether we'll be able to achieve the ROI. Uh, in two years, but uh, thanks to your support, I think we we'll achieved it in one year, three
0: months. Yeah. So, Guru, we will talk about that a little bit more in a more right. interactive fashion. Don't <laughs> take the entire limelight yourself, man. I will also contribute.
2: Okay? Oh, sure, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So So, um, I remember, uh, you know, um, uh, when 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 Guru and his manager, Mr. Joglaker, you know, when they met me, Mr. Joglaker was there at that time, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mr. Joglikar, yeah, Yeah and mr yeah, sinna
0: yeah. and mr sinna you know so yeah. so it was like you know the need was uh, established and there were like a very clear roi you know reduction in inventory improvement in fill rates and you know improvement therefore in uh, uh, revenues and all and uh, so i said listen if we i mean i will support it and i will put my all my weight behind it but all i want is first we baseline the numbers right so revenue i remember three of them availability fill rate and uh, availability first fill rate and I think uh, inventory yeah. right so yes, these are uh, these three things and uh, and then I said listen you know then I'm going to come come back and question you for you know against these three figures not against the you know whether you are using it or not okay so um, I, so we were able to I mean I think we collaborated and uh, got the investments I remember both you know the head of service mr Sinna and myself you know we uh, convinced uh, you know cfo in our own ways and got the investment uh, it was not really a big rocket science i think you know the team was committed guru's leadership was there as somebody you know to provide all the business rules policies you know and you know how and getting the data from crm and all of that so so that part happened but i think we uh, six months later i said hey you remember that commitment to me so, so, so we came together, I remember, in iBuilding our office. And uh, we looked at the numbers. The numbers had moved a little bit, but not much. Okay. And I think so that is like you know, one example uh, you know, for everyone that you know, it's important to actually go back and uh, check yourself against the business metrics. I mean, uh, Guru, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I had not asked for that review, Uh, The whole thing would have gone on as it is and, you know, as a sort of, uh, like, you know, success, right, as a successful implementation. In fact,
2: uh, because of that meeting, in fact, we did the brainstorming and decided to go for planners, if you recall, because uh, unlike the ERP where, you know, it is just once uh, it it is established, you don't have to monitor an ERP, but as a service parts planning, being a planning tool, it throws uh, situations. And a planner is required to take decisions. So that is where, you know, your uh, real help and uh, guidance came in hand, and we were able to hire planners on time.
0: And uh, yeah, yeah. Entire- you know, I, I remember, in, I don't. I, I think I think that need was established early itself. Yeah. You know, I, I remember uh, when we started uh, analyzing the root causes of, you know, why we are not able to meet those numbers. Why is it not? Why the business impact is not coming? Uh, i think this came out in that review that we have asked for planners and they have not yeah. been approved by hr yes. right yes 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 yeah so what, what happened was these planners were uh, these planners were like you know sort of they got stuck in the uh, in the bureaucracy of manpower approvals and all of that and because of that we were not realizing the uh, benefits from the technology the very promising technology we uh, implemented so, uh, so I, I think we that was the main crux of that meeting, that you know we we require planners, and uh, so we had a short term and long term solution. The long term solution was that you know between us we will escalate the matter beyond the spare part. So you know between me and Mister Sinha, you know we would raise it with HR and we will expedite the approvals. But for the uh-huh. short term, we said you know let us hire some planners on contract, and uh-huh. let's at least uh, get this. Thing. So I, I I guess that worked right, Guru.
2: Yeah, it worked. It worked wonderfully.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, in fact, Jagdish,
2: Jagdish, just to add the very fact yeah. that uh, Mr. Sinha had given it in writing to CFO. In fact, every month there used to be an audit by the business planning team. You can imagine the pressure. The yeah, independent but, authority.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, I think, I think, I think, I think this is a, this is, this is a very good message that I want everyone to take away. That you know, this was something that was planned you know uh, exe- planned with finance uh, finance spare parts and it like you know sort of agreeing that we must do this program and going ahead doing it executing it but getting stuck with hr for manpower approvals and uh, you know Aye. and the team was, and, the, and and the team was still struggling with it alone uh, so you know i don't think this had gone to cfo or to it had come to me as an escalation only when we reviewed it the, from a success uh, viewpoint the whole thing came out in the open that you know the manpower approvals are not there i mean not to really i don't want to you know sort of say that hr was not doing the job but it's just that you know there was a regular there's a regular process of manpower planning everywhere manpower approval somewhere and you know we make a commitment you know which then goes into that stolen in, okay uh, this is something that i mean we're just analyzing you know we're just analyzing and discussing how all which all ways You know, you may, you may basically face situations where you may not be able to derive benefits from technology, and one of them could be that you know the right roles are not in place to leverage that technology. So, so that's 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 the point. Yeah. But thanks, thanks, Guru, for uh, uh, for joining uh, this chat, Uh, and uh, I'll 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 come back to you. We'll get all our guests. uh. So our third case study is. Is about a uh, high-profile program, you know, an entire big car plant, you know, implementing a manufacturing technology, a complete manufacturing orchestration uh, system there, which is called an MES, Manufacturing Execution System, missing quite a few timelines, running many months late. And I have uh, with me Sachin Kotasthane, who was part of the program from the plant team uh, with me. Hi, Sachin, maybe you want to give a small introduction.
3: Hi, Jagdish. Hi, good evening. So, yeah, Jagdish, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so currently, I am I am a senior director in one of the uh, large uh, MNCs in the IT world. And uh, with, with like, uh, like, you know, with a background in uh, automation, electronics, maintenance, and of course, the MES from where we come. So uh, since you said in two two lines, so that's that's a very short brief of my introduction.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so Sachin, uh, you know, so we were implementing this MES program, and there were quite a, you know, there was a, uh, there was a product partner involved, there was an implementation partner involved, there was our own in-house IT partner involved, and then we had the plant IT team which you were part of, and then we had the, we had the IT IT team, <laughs> you know, which was working <laughs> under me. So it was, yes. so it can't get more complex than that. So so tell Sorry. us a little bit about the about the program and uh, you know what was the leadership expectation and what were the problems we were facing in the rollout
3: yeah so jagdish this mes uh, was actually a plant wide operations program uh, that was designed to acquire distribute information and allow the uh, optimization of production activities right from the place where the order generation takes place up to the finished product and then using uh, uh, real-time data, this MES was expected to guide, uh, respond, as well as uh, inform the activities of the plant and the production functions as and when they happen. Now, in this particular case, over a period, it was realized that the uh, incumbent MES that was there uh, was no longer in sync with the changing business priorities. And because of the customization that it had undergone over the years, developing additional functionalities and uh, interfaces uh, to the new business uh, systems would not only be a humongous uh, task, but it also carried a clear and present risk, a risk of uh, business outage. So, this MES program, which actually had got kicked off, uh, if you recollect, as a uh, IT hardware upgrade program to address the availability issues uh, as a result of uh, server outages and uh, the other hardwares that were failing quickly turned into a business uh, process re-engineering exercise, spanning not just uh, our IT function, but also multiple departments in the OT realm. So this was uh, in a nutshell what this MES program uh, was about.
0: Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about the challenges we were facing. I mean, the program was about nine months delayed and uh, Correct. tell me the situation on the ground. If
3: you, if you talk about, uh, say, what what uh, uh, what was not working, I would say. so. Uh, First, uh, I at best I can recollect uh, uh, the top three I would say just because of paucity of time and these this mes that we are talking about was broke on many accounts firstly uh, like I said because of sporadic outages in the underlying hardware and the monolithic application that we had uh, uh, inherited uh, that was built on top of that the system reliability had taken a big hit.
0: No, Sachin, um, such this is the this is the old one right which we were thinking. yeah this is the old one correct no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying the the replacement program, you know, that oh. we were running. So hmm. even even that was running like you know about nine months late. And also, you know, in the program it, execution, right? The theme of this uh, chat. So in the hmm. program execution, what was not working? I mean, one of the things I told, like, you know, there were some five or six organizations, five yes. or six different teams working there, and you know that was you know a challenge in itself. But what else? Challenge. Hey, I am your podcast host, Jagdish Bailwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So, I help organizations with the rest of it leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, Keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on LinkedIn.
3: Uh, Other than that, there was of course this problem of uh, rolling out this at at the magnitude that we had in hand. So uh, we were talking about uh, uh, installing servers and then doing uh, 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 network redundancies. Uh, application switchovers for multiple assembly lines with close to uh, 100 uh, app, uh, functions that had to be uh, rolled out. So that itself was, uh, uh, had it been a normal program, resulted in a big uh, major shutdown. But given the nature of our business at that time, where, we, uh, where the plant was operating at uh, three shifts and a attack time of almost uh, 60 seconds. A complete production shutdown was absolutely ruled out, and uh, that's where the team decided to go in favor of uh, doing that uh, migration and the transition right when the plant was running. So that that was the big challenge uh, uh, that, that was uh, set forth by the leadership, I would say. Um, but yeah, right, so, rightly so, because uh, at that point of time, if you recollect, we had just uh, concluded a marathon uh, QMS event, and uh, uh, the results of that were op- uh, there for everyone to see. So that's, that's where the leadership gave us the challenge that uh, they are now looking for a uh, MES um, uh, that, that f- first and foremost improves the productivity, uh, reduces the operational cost, And most important of uh, all, at that time, quality uh, had taken a big, uh, uh, big uh, um, uh, foot forward. And that's what the challenge was that, how do you uh, drive quality through all the stages of uh, production, feedback, feed forward, Um, defect recording, quality gates, automated alarms, escalations, so on and so forth. So these were the challenges that that the team set out uh, at the start when this program was uh,
0: uh, to be rolled out. So, so I so I think I think uh, it was the sheer complexity of the program. So number one correct. is that you know I remember we had the old MES running and we had the new MES running and I think in every factory we had to build a two-way bridge, right? Data bridges so were the, the, the data bridges were to be built so that you know when you switch over when when you switch over there is a bridge which basically you know synchronizes data with the old one. So correct. just in case you have a rollback, you know we we have uh, data you know, is not lost. Yeah. So the data is not lost. Uh, that was one challenge i think the other challenge was like you know five or six different organizations or i mm-hmm. would say teams working on it and that had its own challenges i think i remember with all the complexities and everything it was about nine months late uh, sachin when i remember yes. it was me in house. and then you know we actually then we started uh, some 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 basic things and sachin i'll come back to you uh, you know in terms of what was the impact on this i think sure. the first thing we did was I, I, I sort of realized that you know there are just too many players, and uh, I I asked some clarifying questions as to uh, who's responsible for this, who's doing this, who's doing this, and then you know there were like you know overla- either overlaps or conflicts. Okay? okay. And I remember that's when I moderated a session where we you know sort of projected an Excel sheet and we started putting the resi as to you know who will do what, and there was a bit of debate on a few items. And once we got that clarified, I think that brought in a little bit of clarity. And I, I I remember having told people that you know let's follow this, and you know if you don't see somebody following it, please call it out. I think that is what that was one way we sort of managed the complexity of the of the various number of teams. The second thing uh, I remember I we I asked all of you guys to do is to start a daily call at nine thirty a.m. Yes, you remember that, Sachin. Sunrise so, meetings we had. Yeah, the sunrise meeting. So every day 9:30, and I used to attend those calls. More like, more like as an observer. I think initial few days, uh, you know, I would have to intervene primarily again around you know the roles and responsibilities clarifications and all. But uh, I I think after that, it it took a life of its own, and you know, people sort of came together. I think the third thing which was uh, which I did uh, at an individual level, you know, which is at each organization level. I had a one-on-one with with all the team leaders of different teams. And uh, again, you know, the the two things that I communicated, I said, listen, if this doesn't succeed, right? I mean, we as an organization lose out, your organization also loses out, and, you know, it doesn't help anyone. So, you know, so, so two things. One is not only that we have to make it successful, but if there is something coming in the way of, like, finding success, then please come and tell me please come and tell me not and don't look at it as an escalation that has crib against somebody but mm-hmm. look at it as your contribution to making it successful right so right. i think that's one one interesting uh you know trend the one interesting tendency i would say which people have that they don't escalate you know they will let things go from bad to worse but they will think that hey escalation is not uh escalation is a taboo okay so mm-hmm. I sort of got that fear out as well that you know uh, don't take it as a taboo but we need to rescue that program so um, i think i think the real icing on the cave was you know when we were able to go live okay so then the next thing again we did we said listen let's 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 do a reset okay so let's do a baselining of the entire program go back and uh, draw a new timeline and we will take it to business and make it in such a way that we will meet it I remember then, uh, you know, again, like you know, sort of coming back and communicating to everyone about. If I'm correct, it was October or November kind of timeline, right? Correct, uh, correct. And and that new baseline was about nine months later than the old one, but at least we stopped tracking against Green. the old one and uh. seeing red all the time. See what? Yes. See this is also very psychological issue, Sachin. If you remember, right? That, you know every time you are you are measuring a timeline you know and it is red you know you all everyone gets demotivated so we said okay we'll rebaseline and at least you know to begin with nothing is red. you know so we are doing okay. a reset and and that rebaselining after that we started tracking and i think it was going pretty okay and uh, that is when we ran uh, a challenge or you know it was kind of a fork a decision fork and such an, I will narrate it, and you know, fill me in wherever I'm not detailed enough. Um, so we were building these bridges between the two two MESs, and we had a few shops which had already gone live without any issues, right? Correct. We had, I think, two or three shops which were remaining, and uh, the building of these bridges would have taken a lot of time. Right? I mean, as per the prog- as per the timeline, as per the uh, what do you call it, the program plan. Yeah. We had to build these two-three bridges, it will take us up to about October. And uh, in October, we would have, uh, you know, so so there was also a risk of a delay beyond October. But then, you know, we would be going live around the time when the production hits the maximum, which is around the festival time. Festival
3: season. And add to the that, season. we also had other uh, business uh, systems which were hinging on the early go-live of uh, MES. So. WCQ initiative was something that was at that time uh, the top initiative, and if this MES got delayed, that would have taken a big.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, so so we had we were on a decision fork where I remember you know, Satrupa, Sachin, and the team came. uh, We had a discussion that you know, how do we uh, how do we basically how do we protect the go live timeline? And uh, I remember one of the discussions about being that you know. These so far, with all the factories that we have gone live, we haven't seen an issue. That means, you know, our the future factory go lives if we do it without the bridge, that might still work, right? And uh, we have a good amount of confidence that it will work. And uh, should we take that risk and go live in rest of the factories without the bridge? And I said, you know, why don't we ask that question to the uh, um, plant to head, head at head.
3: that time? To
0: the plant head. Uh, now the good thing was that. Uh, we are talking around the timeline of July, August, when it was monsoon time, the production is like, you know, generally running a little lean at that time. So we went to the plant head and we had like all the factory leadership there and we gave them the two options. We said, Listen, we can go in a completely, completely risk averse method that is building all the bridges and everything. But then we will hit your peak production time, which is around October now. We can take a bit of a risk, which is go live in these factories without. Building the bridges, we already know with the, with whatever factories we have gone that, uh, that is, we haven't faced any issue. So you tell us, do you want to take a risk and go live now when the production is lean, or do you want us to go complete risk covers and go live? The production is at its speed, and uh, they were very supportive. Uh, they said, uh, you know, are you guys confident? They actually put it back on us. I remember, So are you guys confident <laughs> of pulling it off? Yeah. We said, we looked at all each other and we said, yes, <laughs> we will pull it off. I said okay. Then he basically told his entire leadership team, "Are you guys okay?" And everybody was like, "Yeah, we'll support IT." And together, I remember that I still have the photo memory of that uh, you know conference room in K Block where you know we had like I think about uh, ten odd uh, manufacturing leaders, about you know ten odd our team, and everybody saying that we will pull it off together. And uh, and that actually that that taking that risk together with business uh, helped us pull the timeline back by about three months, right? So instead of going live in October or November, we actually went live in August fully.
3: But actually, if you recollect, uh, there was a lot of uh, backstage activity that we had carried out um, just so that uh, we 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 were able to uh, uh, say confidently in front of the leadership that yes, we can pull this off. If you recollect. Uh, from the technology perspective we double checked whether these data bridges are populating not just the live data but also the historical data up to a certain cut-off date and from the people or from the business front we ensured that uh, we had appraised everyone of the process we had done sort of some mock drills that in case something goes wrong what do they do we had even positioned our uh, resources uh, at critical junctures in the process so that if there is something that needs immediate action we can do that uh, almost in the real time so uh, that 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 sort of homework or that sort of preparedness and uh, the uh, of course the front loading that we did in terms of building those data bridges previously and mitigating that risk i would say uh, was what actually uh, gave us the confidence to pull that off
0: no absolutely absolutely sachin and you know you actually you fit the last missing piece in the puzzle uh, in today's session, which is managing risk, right? So, uh, so while we were taking that risk along with, uh, you know, the plant team, we, uh, we, we managed all the resultant or all the, you know, associated risks, uh, very well, you know, that there was, I think a lot of rigor that went into even proposing that we take that risk. Okay. So, uh, so I think risk management, uh, you know, what can go wrong and, you know, fix them piece by piece and then go and tell the, you know, uh, our customer, which was uh, the business team that, you know, we are ready to take that risk. I think, yes, there was a lot of backroom activity, which happened for us to get that confidence to go and propose to them that we are ready for it. I think uh, uh, fantastic one Sachin uh, and uh, Thanks. Uh let me let me bring back our uh, other guests now so we have Seshu and Guru here okay so thank you uh, uh first of all uh, uh Seshu, Guru and Sachin for coming here and uh and uh, you know it brings back a lot of fond memories of like you know creating successes together brings a lot of memories of uh you know uh, of, 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 of delivering a lot uh, out there. And I think the icing here is provided by uh, Vikas. So Vikas uh, was there with us for a week and uh, you know he, he calls outdo. it was such a great example of collaboration uh, strategies uh, like target operating model evolved explicitly during the session therein. So yeah, I think I think a lot of work that we did, uh, you know successful programs, you know adding a lot of value to the business. Outdo was that uh, celebration that we used to do. Maybe we'll talk about it some other time, <laughs> Outdo. But for all the audience, Outdo was uh, the annual uh, conference of IT in uh, Kata Motors that started in 2010. And it became an annual affair, about a two and a half day uh, conference in Khandala, about one, one and a half day of IT internally and then the other with along with business There was a lot we used to do there. Like, for example, you know, we would shoot a lot of videos with business people talking about, you know, how IT has added value. And and when we showed it to 100 plus IT managers, you know, I think the kind of motivation and the kind of impact that it created and the kind of, you know, the way it energized people was really uh, amazing. And, uh, you know, so that's like another probably, you know, insight from today's session that when we do some good work, you know we should when ask for like you know uh, uh, for some credentials or for some recommendations that you know uh, and 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 then uh, share it with our teams to motivate them further so uh, uh, thank you everyone i think we are just at the fag end of this hour another 4 minutes left so uh, you know in all my clarity chats i uh, give my guests an opportunity to uh, uh, ask me a question so here is your opportunity we'll go in the same sequence so Seshu, what is the question you want to ask me
1: yes sir so uh, i have a two questions related to warranty because i have not uh, about other things but i have uh, asked somewhere uh, later. but the thing is uh, was there any alternative solution you have done for the warranty when it was in trouble that is the first part and second part was uh, were there any solutions you felt or the challenges you felt uh, unique for the warranty and you learned the lesson and uh, applied for the other program?
0: Uh, okay. So I think a uh, good, very good question. Was there some alternatives we, uh, you know, looked at for warranty? No, because, you know, I told you, you know, I think warranty happens to be like quite a, quite a big uh, cost factor for any automotive company. I think somebody's noise coming from somewhere. So can you go and mute? So, um, it happens uh, to be a very big cost area, lots of like, you know, uh, financials involved here. And uh, personally, you know, you wouldn't want to keep it outside of your ER, right? Because it also has a lot of linkages to your various masters, you know, your, whether it's like production related, whether it is quality related. So, there's quite a bit of, uh, I would say, uh, interlinkages with your, with your, with your uh, ER. So, that was not an option. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to cut off that uh, feeling that we have an option. No, sometimes you have to just say that there's no option. We have to make it successful. And what was your second question, session
1: Was there any challenge or uh, lesson learnt uh, which is unique for the warranty and you, uh, you lent it and uh, applied for the other programs
0: later on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the biggest, uh, we learned some good lessons in program management itself that, you know, how we need to like you know we need to be very formal with each other in terms of like you know commitments we make very importantly the other lesson was like you know bringing in somebody else to moderate the discussion you know many times you know we get into a discussion as it team versus the it becomes the it team versus the business team you know sometimes it's good to get a referee uh, you know from there you know somebody who has seen the best practices around the world and who can say that hey you know what I mean yeah this makes sense so develop it but you know this doesn't make sense so why don't you do what bmw does or why don't you do something that general motors does right so i think that was a big lesson and uh, you know one of the things that we did uh, well was like you know always bring in an outside in point of view to make sure that you know it doesn't become we versus they it always becomes like a best practices discussion so uh, thanks seshu that was a good question uh, Guru,
2: Yeah, Jagdish, mine would be a very generic question without getting into the nitty-gritty. After going through the roller coaster ride of implementation, which one incident still brings a smile on your face? Uh,
0: For uh, for our parts planning?
2: Yeah, yeah, for parts planning.
0: Oh, I mean, parts planning, I remember, you know, we had then, you know, once we had done this uh, a year later, we had another review and, you know, we saw like, I was like so happy, so happy that, you know, coming back into the same setting and, you know, everybody beaming and smiling and, you know, showing those figures, shooting up. Oh, I still remember that. That was that was awesome. <laughs> it, was a,
2: it was a reward for a work well done.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was like, you know, I think the first time around we were in a very uh, solemn mood that, you know, oh yeah, you know, we have done this, but you know why, why are things not moving? But I think, you know, it is the... The good thing about the whole experience was that there was no finger pointing. It was yeah, finding out the root causes, finding out what's not working, fixing it together as a team, and then enjoying those, uh, you know, uh, KPI shooting yeah, up.
2: Yeah, it was it was totally aligned, and it was a symbiotic effort. I would say.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Thank you, thank you, Guru. That was you. Really brought back some good memories. Yeah, Sachin, your turn.
3: So, Jagdish, uh, uh, the, in this in the case of the MES uh, case study, you played a critical uh, role in herding the teams together, showing the larger picture, as well as enforcing rigor in the uh, execution and documentation from the extended teams as well. Are there any other aspects you feel uh, that uh, uh, benefited this uh, 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 typical IT-OT integration program because IT in one par- parlance was handling something was expecting or looking something from the different angle, whereas OT had a separate set of uh, expectations. So do you feel something else also played a crucial role in this success?
0: So if I understand your question uh, correctly, Sachin, you are asking that are there any byproducts of this program uh, which which would which, which help the organization? Are you saying that? Is there something else which created success
3: uh, the second part of it i mean uh, one thing was the leadership second thing was on the execution part but are there any aspects of uh, in addition to these that you feel uh, contributed to uh, bringing the uh, whole life earlier um
0: uh, i w- i would say uh you know the the collective leadership i think once you see i was working as a catalyst to like bring everyone together but i mean i remember you know the way different uh, team leaders came up together you know there was a cohesion at the leadership level itself which happened you know once we brought in that clarity in roles and responsibilities uh and you know we and 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 i worked on an individual level with each of the leaders and what i what was good to see that you know the people coming together and you know really working as, a, as like you know let's say six different uh you know one team people, one vision one team one vision and uh Uh, I I mean, the other good thing is that, you know, which really helped uh, things is very, very clear business outcomes. Because I remember, I think, you know, as a business team, what you guys were always conveying that, you know, this is where my quality will improve. This is where my, you know, uh, this is where, uh, uh, you know, uh, production will get benefited. So I think everyone had that very clearly in mind. So there was no ambiguity about the results per se. So I think the clarity about what we are going to achieve in terms of the business impact, and you know the leaders coming together, I think these are the two things which which really carried everyone uh, forward. Right. right. Hey, uh, thanks, guys, and uh, you know I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on a, such a short notice. I remember talking to you, uh, you know, between yesterday and today only, and uh, and and you guys came on this chat. Uh, I w- really wanted to bring out you know the both the perspectives you know, uh, as to not just what I did, but you know, how you guys uh, looked at it and you know, what are the other missing pieces. And uh, yeah, so just to summarize uh, everything, uh, I think, you know, from uh, from our chat around the warranty uh, one, uh, you know, bringing in some formality in the relationship, uh, meeting your commitments, you know, rallying your weight behind the team and you know like sort of giving that the confidence that those are some of the harder and softer aspects of it plus you know bringing in uh, somebody to bring in some best practices to moderate uh, you know the discussion to not make it like you know a, a, a i versus you kind of discussion i think i think those were some of the takeaways from there i think uh, with the guru the real takeaways were like you know don't take your eyes off the kpis Number one. Second is you know uh, to look at various other aspects within the organization which can make which can hurt uh, the objectives of a program. In this case, like you know your manpower approvals. And uh, and uh, I think the third thing is that you know, yeah, coming together as multiple teams, as IT business uh, function as well as you know finance team to come together get the program approved get the program executed and then you know review the kpis of the program and uh and, and make sure that the success is delivered and uh, you know with the mes case uh, study it is like you know cl- some basic thing like clarifying the RACI across different different teams you know i mean sort of enforcing that or like you know communicating that thinking that you know everyone wins if uh, the program gets successful and the pie is much bigger. I remember there was a couple of partners who were competing with each other and one of the things I remember yeah. I told Sachin that don't compete if this succeeds both of you have enough future business in hand for you and I think you know, that sort of uh, triggered some of the collaboration. So yeah you know enlarging the uh, size of the pie taking some calculated risks managing risks very carefully and rigorously and uh, I think the common thing across all of these things is that you know you know when you when you succeed when you really make make things successful that that brings that feeling of pride and you know achievement uh, which is uh, which is very precious so all all the doing all the basics uh, getting the basics right and then uh, and then you know reaping the rewards of success uh, so thank you everyone for uh, joining us here What a nostalgic session recounting our experiences in rescuing failed programs. Thank you, Sheshu, Guru, and Sachin for joining me on this podcast. I hope you got your insights on how to use first principles to ensure program success. Please do subscribe to the Clarity Chat podcast. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. In our next podcast, I will host Finn O'Leary, board advisor, and non-executive director, and CIO at Blu-rays. Watch out for our next Clarity Chat podcast with Finn.